Hi, Steve Addison here for the Movements Podcast, the podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Today we're going to hear how the gospel is transforming lives in some of the world's darkest places as we talk to Don and Teresa Waybright. Beginning the ministry, you know, it was a joint effort. We came in ministry together. I had a young family, so Teresa was focused on the kids, and I was released to do ministry. And from the very beginning, we were the ministry, the DNA was movement, even in the church. So it was a church as a movement catalyst. Uh, when we took on the role at Sugar Creek Baptist Church about 2005, actually, it began in 2011 when we got in, involved with the uh, at the North Cluster of the uh, IMB and the movement that was taking place in North India. Basically, we said we were going to adopt Delhi and join them and what they were doing and start uh, entering into that. So at the church, I'll let her tell the rest of the story. At the church, I was trying to mobilize people to, to enter into this movement. And so we're having these meetings and casting vision of what we're going to do. And I'm expecting my wife would sign up because she always wanted to go to India and she didn't sign up. So I'll let her tell the rest of it. <laughs> it's true. I didn't sign up. Uh, when we had the first meeting and I found out that we were going to have to go out and actually share the gospel and that we weren't going to minister to orphans, I was like, oh, I can't do that. That's that's Don thing. That's not my thing. And so to make a long story very short, um, I went to the first meeting or I had to go to the next meeting because it was at our house and I was kind of trapped in it. And he again said, you haven't done your paperwork to go. And I said, ah, I can't go. And he said, well, I'll challenge you, you know, go to training, be part of trainings, help lead trainings. And then um, also I said, I can't afford to go. And he said, well, I'll tell you what, you send out your support letters. If you don't raise your money, then we'll talk about it. Well, the first three people supported the trip, went to trainings, helped lead, tra lead trainings. And then my first trip literally changed my whole perspective on um, what missions really was. And it was about sharing the gospel and um, being in the harvest. And so I didn't ever say, let's go to an orphanage again. I think that's great, but I, you know, it just literally changed me. The first person that agreed to receive Jesus right there when I asked them, you know, I told my story um, and then told Jesus' story and they wanted to change their destiny. And I just couldn't believe that that would happen for me. And so I was intimidated, I think, more here in America when we would have to go out and share. And 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 it, it was to hear what they were living through and that, um, especially because we were in a Hindu culture. And so how many gods they had in their, you know, they would literally tell me, my gods don't answer my prayers. And so being able to know that we serve a God that answers their prayers. And then when they accepted Jesus, their whole countenance changed. Their whole destiny was changed. You had some signs and wonders. You had oh, yeah, we did. About Mala. And, uh, yeah, we had a healing take place that was miraculous. And um, we were told she was going to die. So we went to pray over her. And she actually, when we got to the hospital. She was bringing me a chair. 
And we got chased out of the hospital because so many people were accepting Jesus because of her healing. And then she came out and bought us chai afterwards. <laughs> so yeah, we got to see some pretty miraculous signs and wonders that God did for us um, to be able to see and witness and, and testify to. Well, we just began that journey of the next trip, the next time I was, I signed up and led trips, never thought I could lead a trip, helped lead trainings, um, and which then expanded to different places as well, not just India. Um, I would then came home and I was committed to our community, going to some of the communities here that had refugees from Nepal and Bhutan and uh, India. We began, you know, studies Bible studies, we began outreach, we began just doing life. You know, we uh, would go every Friday night and spend Friday night in the apartment complexes. Even on our anniversary one year, Don said, where are we going for our anniversary? And I said, we're, it's Friday night. We have to go to the apartments. We said we'd be there. So well, it, it's his fault. He started it all by that's right. you to go on the trip. <laughs> that's right. It is his fault. <laughs> uh, we ended up getting uh, our visas revoked from India. I got my visa revoked maybe 216. She got her visa revoked in 217. 18. 18. But out of that, uh, something birthed that was pretty special, and that was this Hilltop of Hope uh, red light ministry in the, the red light of, of Mumbai, India, that was a multiplication ministry. It, it just emerged out of that context. And that, that was on her heart. We um, had been in the red light district on a trip that I was leading um, to Mumbai. And uh, then our next time in we is when it got revoked. But on that trip where we founded Hilltop of Hope, um, we got to go into the red light district, pray over the people there, share the gospel. Um, but while we were there, we found a, a guy that had been ministering to the women in the red light district, trying to help them learn a trade, a skill to get them out of there so that they could sustain themselves. And they asked us, uh, me and my partner that was there, Kathleen, you know, how can you up their game? What can you do to help us up their game? And so um, that's when, you know, we came back, we started praying about what we could do to help them develop some uh, patterns to take back and all. But what we loved was first off our national leadership that was there on the ground that was about the gospel. It wasn't just about um, a compassion ministry or a social ministry or social justice. That's great, but they lead with the gospel. That's first and foremost. And that's even, you know, um, on our website for Hilltop of Hope, that's one of the things we talk about is we lead with the gospel and uh, multiplication discipleship is first and foremost um, part of that ministry or what leads it really. And then the um, teaching them skills, life skills is secondary. So we have many, many women that have accepted Jesus, come out of the red light district, out of that trade, but they are the ones now that are leading you know, the charge and going back in and rescuing other women. Um, some of them we do get out of the, we rescue out of there literally because they need to be out of there. But many of the ones um, that are changing lives right now were red light background, 
believers is what we call them, RBVs. Um, and they're now leading the task of going back in and rescuing other women with the gospel. So her and her partner, they when they went back with these simple patterns of these bags that could sell in the U.S., um, that's when they got their visas revoked and got removed from the country. But the thing just flourished from there. Without we, us. Yeah, we they've, <laughs> they've rescued over 400 women completely out of that context and and also returned many of the daughters of Nepal. You know, every year, 15,000 girls a year are trafficked out of mountain villages of Nepal into the brothels of India, many of them into Mumbai. And we've been able to see the, the daughters of Nepal return so that's been great. We continue just uh, to lead that effort, and she's a uh, she's in charge of all the sales here on the U.S. side and all this, you know, the story events and getting that story out. So if someone went searching for Hilltop of Hope, they would they would find where they could purchase mm-hmm. the products and donate or purchase products. Yeah. Hilltopofhope.com. Since we haven't been able to get back in, I personally have not met the women that are leading the charge on the ground because we haven't been able to get back in. We've only seen videos or gotten pictures. We get lots of pictures and stories. But one example I will tell you is when Don was talking about returning the daughters of Nepal. Um, in January of this year, we got to go to a place in Kathmandu called Asha, Nepal, and we have partnered with them on when we do get young children and women from Mumbai that need to go back or that can go back, that we can get them back into Nepal. Um, Asha Nepal takes them in, helps rehabilitate them, uh, get them the health care that they need and also life skills, schooling, whatever it might be. And so this January, we got to walk on that campus And meet many of them. I get very emotional because it was the first time I got to meet some girls that we actually had a hand in helping, um, you know, through the work of the Holy Spirit, because it's not us. All this that's happened has been through the Holy Spirit. But um, we got to meet and touch and hug and hear stories of these girls that have been rescued and what that has meant to them. And the trajectory of their life has now changed forever in these children so, um, and there were probably 20 some at that point that were there, um, but the adult girls we got to talk to, just the hope, the, the um, new life that they now have, the care that they're being given, the love that they're being shown is beyond what I ever imagined to be able to get to witness and be a part of. So that's my most memorable and someday when I get back into Mumbai and I get to meet these other women, then I can talk about them. But they're they're just amazing. They work so hard. They work tirelessly day in, day out in the harvest. But another place that spread is into Columbia, South America. We were mm-hmm. we used Troy Cooper's three touch model and, and launched out No Place Left Bogota, probably 218. And it worked, man. It it really worked. And we saw like the first year, we saw 90 new churches, 700 new worshipers emerge in Bogota alone. And about half a dozen different uh, leadership networks spread throughout Colombia. But in that context, we also birthed Hilltop of Hope in Bogota. They have a tremendous uh, prostitution issue and just these Venezuelan refugees that are coming into 
uh, Columbia, I mean, no, husbands and, and fathers will, will sell their daughters for a dollar. I mean, literally sell them to a trafficker for a dollar. And uh, so it's just horrific, some of this stuff. And and we and Teresa's helped, uh, she's helped with the training in that movement. She was part of that three-touch launch uh, training team and also uh, uh, developing and forming the Hilltop of Hope. We just had 30 girls completely rescued, restored with a new way of thinking, new way of living, new way of loving, coming out of the, the brothels in the red light district of Bogota. We got... These national teams, these red light background believers are going into the, the heart of darkness in the, the Mumbai red light district. They're going and praying with people. They're, they're, they're getting to the gospel. You know, it's just like Rahab's hope. She, she saw the hope of the, the, the God of Israel, and, and uh, she put that rope out there, you know. And, and so I think these people in that darkness see that light and are drawn to them. And they see some hope and they come and talk to them and say, you know, to talk about their circumstances. You know, uh, my husband sold me into prostitution and and uh, and such. And now I'm trapped in this and I can't get out and I want to go back to my my home village. And and so it begins that way. And uh, and then uh, it's messy. It's messy. They may continue. Uh to feed the family by doing that business, but uh, eventually they get loved on, and they we move them into a, a you know a community, a loving community, a healing community as well. And then, as we can, we'll help walk them into a new relationship with their family because many times they're rejected by their family or their village. And but we'll we'll walk them, you know, they'll journey with them in that process and make sure it's safe, make sure it's secure, make sure it's it's permanent and that there's not exploitation or anything like that. So, uh, but it looks just like what we do all around the world, Steve, as far as in the red light, it's just, uh, we lead with the gospel. Uh, we, we begin to love one another in this three thirds format, basically is authentic biblical community. We use trauma based tools in that as well. Now that, uh, that are some of the best practices. I think a lot of no place left people are using today. Uh, for the refugee crisis and such, but we're we've in, introduced that into this context. It works very effectively with these women, but it's all consistent with the same models of multiplication. You know, the three thirds, but it has some real good trauma informed tools, and you know, it just emerges as church. It's a loving community, and we equip them to go and, and make disciples. And if they're not going right back into that red light and and reaching their sphere of influence. They go back into their villages. In many cases, we've seen them develop churches within their villages. And typically, is it majority women because of the nature of the field? Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's and then uh, we we <laughs> it's fascinating, but we see a redeemed transgender church there as well. Tell us a bit more about that. Well, it's the same model. The gospel. Gave them a new identity, a, a true identity, and uh, and and they just they meet regularly. Now. They meet regularly. They love one another, and they're out of that that business. They're out of that lifestyle. Because previously uh, they too were involved in prostitution. They were transvestite prostitutes. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we had such breakouts. We were sending in some, you know, U.S. church teams into this really hard area. We called it the the caged area, 
the real beautiful young girls, they would literally cage them up. Hmm. And, uh, you know, the ironic thing, it's all Muslim-owned area. Every, it's all owned by these Muslims. And uh, But basically, we were going in there same way with these church teams, uh, just undercover. They'd have headscarves on and glasses, and they'd get to the gospel, and they were having such breakthroughs. We now, instead of calling it the caged place, we call it Freedom Street. Mm. Wow. Wow. You tried, you did a pretty good job, but I still haven't cried. Um. <laughs> a year and a half ago, we left uh, after 20 years of church based ministry, which we, you know, we pretty much did that together. They got a two for one deal in that role. <laughs> um, we left for the ministry of Reach the Rest and became the strategy, global strategy leader for Reach the Rest, which is a, a movement organization, just a um, lot. And basically bringing in a lot of the relationships I had around the world and and just helping to catalyze movement. But we do that together. We travel together. We've we train together. We were in a month in West Africa earlier this year and training together. And she just brings, you know, just such an element that I can't. I mean, she she has such a, a dynamic, outgoing personality and connects with the women so well and. And uh, she's just a, a tremendous compliment and support to me that allows me to even exponentially increase what I'm able to do. You know, it, it's just so we always say we're amazed by God's timing. But if this would have happened 10 years ago, I wouldn't have been able to do this. So it's all in God's timing that it's worked out this way. And I, I, I do have the freedom to go with him. And I'm always amazed to be able to see Dawn in action. First off, it's so much fun to be. Um, traveling alongside him, but then to be able to be an asset and train and um, lead and work with, you know, our leaders and our partners out there has been um, really rewarding, I think, um, would probably be the word I'm looking for, just to be able to um, speak into these people's lives and be a part of them. But, you know, you're just, you're on an equal footing with them. I just love being able to, to watch them um, when we do some of these trainings, to watch them learn the tools. And then they're up there just nailing it when we do the repetitions. And then you take them out sometimes for the first time, because maybe their church hasn't done this before. And they're just like, this works. What do you mean this works? I didn't know this would work. So it was some of the churches that we got to train in um, in West Africa this year. That's just what I saw. It's like a light bulb went on and and they're thinking, why haven't we been doing this all along? So that's been very encouraging. And, you know, and, you know, I, I'm not a good dancer, but Teresa's a good dancer. And, um, <laughs> you know, she's dancing in Ivory Coast with the West Africans and she's dancing with the Iranian leaders and. And uh, well, so <laughs> she she's a multicultural dancer. <laughs> Our desire is that it's a spirit led, spirit empowered uh, movement organization that's focused on indigenous leaders, uh, identifying, helping, equipping indigenous leaders get to their vision of multiplication amongst the least reached peoples in the world. Um, DMM, CPM. It's all relationships with, you know, like-minded visionary apostles around the world getting getting the visions, and it's been, a, it's 
it's been beautiful. You know, I talked to you a year ago when I was just trying to figure this thing out. And and God has been finally really giving me understanding of what our role is and what the future of Reach the Rest is. And, and it's been really emerging really, really well. Um, so just the relationship, some of these national leaders that we're with around the world has just been incredibly uh, rewarding is a good word that she said, but just uh, just so privileged and honored to be walking alongside and helping these guys get to their vision. Yeah. And now you have a um, you have a considering a move. Tell us a bit about that. Well, everyone is aware of the, the major crisis in the, with the Ukraine conflict, the refugee displacement of people. It's been epic proportions probably since World War II. We haven't seen anything like this. And uh, that was burdening us. Uh, we, we got some of that trauma-informed training that was principally for the red light district, but we're thinking also for, you know, train and equip and use it as an entry into this refugee context. But as we were discovering that, you know, Reach the Rest didn't have any relationships, and I have never had any relationships in that region, Eastern Europe and, and Russia and such. And so just praying about that. And, and in that journey, uh, we had, you know, the, uh, basically just talking with some leaders. We had the IMB Europe and, uh, and uh, Campus Crusade Cruise uh, Church Multiplication leaders for Europe ask us to come in and just help raise up the level of leadership on with their multiplication leaders. So basically come into that context and uh, really we've we seen that emerge in Moldova in particular, just uh, everything just seems to be coming into alignment and, and God orchestrating this. So coming into Moldova and basically helping national leaders uh, break through barriers and raise up the, the level, raise them up to shoulder height as far as national leaders, as far as breaking through barriers and multiplication. There's a, they've got some good tools that they've applied. They've, even in Moldova, there's this one network of 60 some house churches, but they're, they're all like first, second generation. And, and uh, so helping them get to, uh, you know, break through those barriers, get to, to movement, you know, fourth generation beyond and, so we uh, intend to do a scouting trip in December and head there uh, for three to six months in Eastern Europe, starting in Moldova uh, in the March time frame. It's season enough to get some national leaders with, with vision, get them moving, build relationships. We may come in and out frequently. I still have to lead the global strategy for reach rest, but, you know, just hop short flights in different regions of the world just from Eastern European base is what we'll we'll be doing. Mm -hmm. And what are you trusting God for in Moldova at the end of the time? I'm trusting God is there before me and that he's already <laughs> there. And, and I don't want to be anywhere that he's not at and that uh, he's sending us there to get to a movement that would glorify him in post-Soviet state of one of these post-Soviet states. I hope you've been challenged and inspired by Don and Teresa's story. Visit hilltopofhope.com to find out more.